Good evening. Have you met the teacher? What 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 is a teacher? I'm sure you all recall maybe the first time you met somebody that was called a teacher. I certainly remember all of my teachers. Most of them. Interesting situation when we meet someone who is going to teach us something, teach us how to how to multiply and divide, how to diagram sentences and so on. Particular kind of situation that's very uh, reasonable, logical, makes sense. They know something we don't. We put ourselves in a position, maybe not all, not all that voluntarily, four or five or six years old, but we do it because we're told to. And we may even be inspired to do that because of uh, other students or However, so there seems to be different levels of teaching, different levels of helping someone understand something or practice something or build something, make something that you don't know how to do or you don't understand and you want to. And so then the teaching person is there, shows up uh, either in your cultural situation as is uh, pretty obvious. <clears throat> but I thought I would start out with that because it's, uh, that teaching situation has been around quite a while. Teaching and learning. When it comes to the uh, spiritual path, the teacher can show up in different ways there also. You could just get instruction from someone on how to meditate. And they would say... Um, as I was first taught uh, in uh, Kadigari Roshi, uh, his uh, a temple in uh, Minneapolis, uh, there wasn't much of an instruction at all there. It's uh, basically Zazen is just sit there, hold still, don't move. That's a good instruction, painful one. seems to show up in so many different ways. I was very lucky to have a couple of great teachers. One I had quite a bit of interaction with considering how busy he was, <coughs> excuse me, and how popular he was, uh, Jogyam Trungpa Rinpoche in 1973. But I managed to have some time to talk to him uh, privately and that was very helpful to me. And I was in a position at that time being in my early thirties to, uh, take advantage of that of those times did not waste my time particularly or his time uh, chit-chatting that being said I was extremely terrified and because I had already realized how what how foolish I was and how vain I was and so on you've heard me talk about this before <coughs> pardon me so I, I knew I wanted to talk about the, the student-teacher relationship, but I would, I'm would i going to say a little bit more about it, but also would like uh, questions uh, from you so we can do this together and make it more of a mutual situation. Uh, the, the, it seems that the, the relationship between the teaching person and the learning person is very, very specific and unique in some ways uh, to each situation, and yet is uh, completely... Uh, universal in other ways. And uh, as we get, as we understand more and more deeply what it is that the teacher is teaching and ultimately what the teacher is pointing at, since this is not a mundane path, not a, not a path of graduating or a diploma or getting somewhere, but a path of ultimate realization of the true nature of who you are. And you could say, might as well use the word what reality actually is so that you know, you know this. And we find that the only way we can do this is ourself. We have to be able to look at this, train our minds to see clearly ourselves. We get the help, the support of the teacher, the teaching and the Sangha, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the three jewels. That's the, that's the, the support that we get. 
so when I say, have you met the teacher? Uh, if you've, if you've met the teacher, if you've met your teacher, uh, you should know it. If you have a lot of doubts about it, I'm not saying you're not going to have some doubts. But I think you know what I'm saying if you're going back and forth or something. But, uh, once you decide, you should stick with it. Once you, especially if you go so far as to actually receive formal, uh, um, formally receive the precepts, stay with it no matter what. It might be kind of difficult if, as you go along, who you are showing up as and who the teacher is showing up as are not exactly that comfortable, not that pleasant. I would say, do it anyway. That's why you have a vow. So when you get into the difficult part of the jungle, the place where it's all dark, and there's just weird noises, and you don't know what to do, you have that support. And that support may not be a flashlight, it may not be uh, earmuffs for your difficult noises. <clears throat> so Trung Parampache has a lot of commentary on uh, as does Kobachino Roshi, has a commentary on the teacher-student relationship and different views of it, different ways that we that it is worked with. Uh, one of the things that uh, that um, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche says in uh, the Myth of Freedom, I think it is, the function of the teacher is to insult you. So, and I think what is uh, the intention there is not it won't necessarily feel like an insult like he, he is uh, insulting you, or she, for that matter, is insulting you, but the way they function uh, with you is can be insulting. It can be kind of not really appreciating how wonderful you are, or noticing your wonderful acumen. I know I gave a, when my son Mason, uh, who's also a monk, uh, got married, I was at his wedding, he and... Uh, his wife at the time, Kathy, uh, were married by Coben back in, I don't know what the year was, from 80-something. Nine was, I think, the 91 or something like that. Maybe it was 90. I think it might have been the summer of 90, 1990. I mean, I, I remember getting a gift uh, for him was a, a calligraphy brush. And uh, and I, I, I watched him... Uh, open it from quite a distance and, uh, and he looked at it and put it away but there was never any any acknowledgement or any thank you or uh yeah hey nice brush none of that and i was uh, a little offended at the same time i i knew that it's not necessary for someone to thank you for a gift you don't give someone a gift so that you can get thanks necessarily this isn't saying that you should do that or that I should stop thanking people or, but it's a, it was a very interesting situation. And I began to learn from him right away and did not know that he was my teacher until he began to teach. And he began to teach the very instant I asked him to function as my teacher. It was kind of a shock. It was so shocking, I, I was uh, tongue-tied. And that's when I became aware that he'd been watching me all along. He knew exactly what I was up to. As I sometimes say, I'm not a mind reader. I don't have to read minds. All I have to do is watch you and listen to you. And that's all he had to do to see the way you divide yourself from your world, the way you separate yourself as if you're some special person. That's very difficult to just say to someone, oh, by the way, you are full of yourself. You're all in love with yourself. And you might as well read the seven, uh, the, the four different aspects of the seventh consciousness uh, three or 4,000 times, slowly. And just self-love, self-admiration, self-reference, uh, self whatever it is, yeah, whatever the fourth one is. That, that's probably the one I have, the one I never can remember. I can continue to talk. I have a little bit more to say, but if you have questions, well, that might take it in a direction that 
maybe uh, a little less uh, tedious in the way I'm, I have been talking. Jinchu. There's a, a question on YouTube from Raphael in New York. Yes. He asks, does one's teacher need to be accessible face-to-face or is online virtual teachings just as effective? I think it, I think it, I think it varies, uh, but I would say be kind of up to the student. I, I would I would teach somebody on the phone. I would teach somebody yelling from my porch to their porch. All you have to do is uh, come in, uh, in my situation, come in front of me in any way that you can do it. Uh, kind of difficult if you're skydiving. I mean, although I would I would try. So I, I think it's, uh, in, in our technology, as long as there's some kind of a, a ability to exchange something. Uh, in uh, uh, Ramana Maharshi, if you've read about that, uh, the, that ancient uh, sage of India, not that ancient, only from 18, I think it was 1880 to 1950 when he passed of uh, cancer. But his, uh, he, his satsang, or sitting in the presence of truth, his satsang, his satsang was just mainly just sitting there. He did some talking, but not a lot. Whereas someone like Nisargadatta probably talked more than any, any teacher ever has. That I know of, I haven't read everything talked a lot and uh, he spoke I think in Marathi is that true Tisho did he was his language Marathi Tisho yeah it was thank you so I don't know from Raphael if there's anything else about that but yes I think online I have I have students I've never met face to face I mean other than online perhaps or some on the phone I have not seen. Sugar Bowing. You can ask us a question similar to Raphael. If uh, someone, is it necessary to formally ask them to function as a teacher and have private interviews? I think it's a pretty good idea. I'm not saying you couldn't learn some you know, to some extent that person might be uh, an interim teacher might be the first person you talk to but you your your true teacher might be down the road a ways so uh, if it's if it's this person is your teacher you'll find a way to talk to them you'll find a way to connect and then you'll decide I have I have students that stay in touch with me and have for years and years that I feel very close to who have never uh, never received vows for one thing but they, most cases, they've asked me to function as their teacher. Uh, some people have asked me to function as their teacher, and I've done that. And then if, they, if I do something or I say something or whatever it may be that offends them or scares them or does something, rather than coming talking to me about it, uh, they just leave. No, can't do that. Can't do this anymore. But they decide. So they really weren't too sincere about having a teacher in the first place. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to extremes that if uh, somebody asks me to function as their teacher and they see me murder someone, uh, that they would have to come and ask permission to not be my, not be a student of mine anymore. I'm not saying it's extreme, but could at least discuss that situation. And quite often there's no discussion. The person just comes to a conclusion without even though they asked me at one point to function as their teacher, rather than come uh, and say, you know, I, there's something about our dynamic that's not working anymore. And uh, I, since I asked you to be my teacher, I would like to have your permission to leave, uh, to not be your student anymore. I would always say yes. And that would actually be best because then I stop thinking about them. Then I don't have to waste any more energy thinking about that person because they came, they've taken care of that. But the ones who leave uh, 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 trails, or leave tracks all over the place, they don't clean up their mess because they actually think what? They're right about something. They've come to a conclusion. People have done that with Trunk Rinpoche. People that are doing that with Trunk Rinpoche have never met him. If you haven't met him and you're just reading what it says in Harper's, 
or what other uh, even people who have met him are saying about him. I'd be very tentative about believing anything. And I would also be very tentative about disbelieving anything. You should listen to everything. There's some terrible stuff uh, happened there. And some of it is, uh, it actually is, um, what we what shall I say? Let me see. What's the most descriptive? A really bad teacher that takes advantage of you and manipulates you and uses you? Yes, they're there. They're called charlatans. So yes, I think it. I think it. Uh, there needs to be some kind of a connection that puts you on the spot a little bit. I have, as I've said, I have several students that have never some some that have never even mentioned, even though they've been students of mine, kind of semi-students for maybe 10 years, have never mentioned Jukai, never even asked me about it. They see people doing this all around, but they never ask. Kind of odd that they don't even ask. But I don't mention it, unless I mention it in a talk or something. But I don't I don't bring it up to them because what I'm doing is meeting them as a, as much as I can as a teacher where they're at. And where they're at, uh, I can see pretty clearly. Not ready to do that yet. And from my point of view, I'm willing to, because I'm meeting them where they're at, I respect their confusion. I don't try to turn their confusion into something where I'm controlling them as a, trying to turn them into some kind of a, of a devoted student. Quoted Trump Rinpoche saying the function of the teachers to insult you. Something. Your dynamic with me seems more soft or supportive than watching you with some of your other students. You I don't feel particularly insulted from you. Am I missing out what? on a no more direct teaching? No, you should feel insulted because I've never bothered to insult you. It's like I don't even give a shit about you. You don't even deserve an, an insult. How's that? Is that insulting enough? You're get as far as I'm concerned. I don't have to second guess anything. You, you when you come in front of me, I relate to you right where you're at as much as I can. I'm not uh, not totally uh, some kind of a wizard, so I don't really know everything. It isn't it isn't about knowledge so much. It's about just seeing. You see what the individual is doing and dealing with. You see their you see their fear, you see their trepidation, you see their pride, you see their narcissism, you see their self-centeredness, you see you see it over and over and over again. They bring it to to you. And your job if you're functioning as a as a true teacher is to as far as I'm concerned is to meet them where they're at. And if you do that, just just meeting that situation over and over and over again is extremely powerful. But everyone's different. Some some people don't even have to meet the teacher. They just awaken to their true nature. And sometimes that happens and they're very confused by it because they have no no path. There's no structure. So some people, and I could give you names and some people who that's happened to, it's not necessary. Some people have actually gone to, some people who are even meditators because they don't understand what, what's happening. They've gone to what? Psychiatrists? therapist to try to get help and totally forgotten that they were they were meditating and so it's an odd kind of thing to to try to figure out some way to because they saw it as something that was wrong rather than uh liberation may not be uh all that pleasant but if, it, if you're looking for the truth, you're not looking for pleasant. You're not looking for comfortable. You're not looking for uncomfortable. You're looking for the truth. You want the truth. And don't settle. I say this, don't settle for it. That's why I say, don't believe a word I say. You could listen, consider what I'm saying. Don't believe it. You need to see it. You need to see it so there's so you have no doubt. This is what Jam Jam Gan Kongtro called the torch of certainty. You, you fundamentally see this so clearly that it's just brilliant. It's that brilliant. You're certain of it. And you're so certain that you don't, you don't need a, you don't need a credential. You don't even need someone to admire you. You don't need someone to uh, approve of you as a teacher.
for the question. Yes. What What would be an indication that a student is in need of or ready for an insult from the teacher? There's no There's no way to come up with that. It just it, it happens in the in the, it's very situational. It just that uh, may just uh, occur. You you may feel insulted uh, if you're if you're a student of mine, and I may be oblivious to you thinking that it's an insult. So it's it's the, the whole the whole uh, idea of I'm the teaching person and you're the dummy that needs teaching doesn't work that way. Any any uh, a true teacher, anyone he or she meets is they're not separate from them, so they are the confusion they're witnessing. They are the intense uh, self-centeredness, the pride. Otherwise, they couldn't teach. Otherwise, they couldn't fundamentally help them if they were separating themselves as some kind of higher being who was more enlightened and was saying, "Well, maybe you could do this practice, and maybe you could do these mantras or do this." I'm not saying I'm not making fun of anyone. Some teachers teach that way, and as far as I know, they're just as enlightened as anybody else. I have no idea. I'm not interested. What am I interested in? If you're interested in this uh, path, then I'm interested in you. And if you're interested in going another direction, then I would respectfully say, good luck. Do what you need to do. Only you know. I respect your karma. I just spent years and years and years trying to get so I could respect my own because of the intense uh, hatred that brought me into this path in the first first place, self-hatred, intense, not knowing if I should even allow this person to live. So my particular path has been uh, quite a bit different. I couldn't, uh, without meeting uh, the Vidyadara, Trungpa Rinpoche, I would not be here. I had to, I had to have that kind of a teacher, a teacher that absolute. Uh, absolute unconditional confidence. And it might have looked to other people like arrogance. And some people that got in his uh, milieu uh, felt abused and abandoned or disturbed. And I'm not saying they weren't. I'm not saying they weren't treated terribly by him, even if it's possible. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I've heard some pretty bad stories that I, had I been there, I probably would have gone in and knew about that. I would have gone into Riverton and say, what? <laughs> What is this about? Or maybe not. Maybe I would have been like, well, if he's doing it, it must be, must be right. Interesting area to go back with kind of what they, what do they call it? Hindsight? Yeah, why do they call it hindsight? Because you can't see anything looking out your butt. Why do they call it hindsight? I don't know. Maybe one of you, after the, after the talk, maybe one of you can send me a text. Explain to me what hindsight means. Don't do it now. This is my time. Nishika Boeing. Yes, sir. What's what's devotion to the teacher? And then a second question is, what's how do you relate to devoting to the teacher while keeping the principal witness witness? Mm -hmm. So let's start with the first one, then you can remind me of the second one. Okay. So what's the first one? Nishika Boeing. What is devotion to the teacher? So there's lots of ways of talking about that or, ta or describing that, but it's basically giving, uh, uh, first of all, connecting with the teacher and seeing that, that that this is someone that you want to, there's something about them or about your connection or your energy or something that this is something that is very, very important to you and you need to go into it and you when I say don't trust anybody, don't trust me, don't trust anybody, you're probably going to have to do some trusting, but it should be very, very situational rather than just uh, throw all of your uh, all of your uh, baggage onto a moving train. So I would, I would be tentative. I would say the way I warn people about that, I say don't do anything else you have to. If you don't have to do this, for those of you who have received a Jukai, you know you've been told in no uncertain terms some more and some more uh, um, stronger than others. Don't don't receive Jukai. Don't ask me for Jukai unless you intend to do this. And then I have people even say, oh, yeah, oh absolutely. Oh, I want to do this. And even I can see there's some doubts. If they persist, then I'll just go with the persistence. And I say, well, I don't know what it's like to be that person. Uh, we'll see. And then I have people that 
get the whole darn things, the whole rocks are sewn, and then I don't want to do this. Not a good idea to do that. So I try to help people by saying, don't do it. You you owe me nothing. Uh, The teaching, I would say that the teaching that you get from, especially from this person, is going to have a different quality or resonance or frequency to it uh, if if you're holding back. Now, that doesn't mean that you're, if you don't receive vows, you're uh, and ask for a jukai that you're holding back. Maybe that's just not uh, a dynamic that is necessary. But that would be that would be your business. So devotion would be, as I said, don't throw all your baggage on a moving train. Uh, take your time. Don't do anything unless you have to. But if you have to, then you know, you know, you know, you have to do it. And then, you know, sure, there's going to be some, maybe some fear. I mean, it isn't like you have the kind of confidence is unconditional, but that's something you might want. You might want to be unconditionally confident of everything you see, know, do, hear, smell, taste, touch. Just be here, be genuine. Don't you get tired of it? I did. I get tired of just not knowing what to do and feeling like like I was fooling myself and I was a, a phony. I mean, anytime I would open my mouth, I would just be nauseated by what I would say. Maybe not that right then, but maybe 20 minutes later thinking about it. Intense uh, narcissism. And that hasn't necessarily gone anywhere. It's just there's no one home. There's no solid being home anymore. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a hand waving. It doesn't mean that I can't shake my finger at someone. So devotion, it's a kind of a fancy word for for love, for a deep caring. And I don't think it's something you can generate. It's uh, it's like a deep respect. And, and it would be very difficult to explain it to someone who doesn't know what that is. That, that's why I'm sure you've noticed we don't really talk too much about that. Uh, what, we, what do we call them? Civilians? <laughs> that's a... So we did in the Marine Corps, and this is not exactly the Marine Corps. But it's it's very difficult, say, to tell someone who's not a Buddhist and has no idea what that would be like to say, I, I have a really strong connection, as I did with the Trungpa Rinpoche, and it was devotion. It was over-the-top devotion. And still is. But he's not gone anywhere from me. He's not, he's not gone. It wasn't just his body. The, who that was crippled, which you barely noticed, uh, by the way. <laughs> it's like very interesting. Around someone who's crippled, you think of them as weak. He was like a dragon. What was the other part of the question? Or perhaps you want to continue with the devotion part. You should get going. Uh, I guess now I'm wondering... Is it ben- beneficial to move our luggage onto the moving train or to be as devoted as possible to you? Is that uh-huh. beneficial for a practitioner to see what's true? Yeah, I wouldn't go overboard with anything. Don't do anything else you have to. The, going, the pushing too much is not a good idea. Take your time. Bring your, bring your insight to it, uh, which uh, is you could say is uh, opening up or being reprioritized by the sitting practice of meditation, Shikantaza. That's why we do so much sitting here at this monastery. Anybody that hasn't been here, uh, which now it's a little difficult because of COVID, but uh, you know, if you just come here and stay, you're going to sit six and a half hours a day on the, uh, with the forms. If you just observe the forms with your body and mind, that's what you'll do. I'm not saying everybody has to do that all the time, but I have to start that way. So devotion tends to uh, it tends to arise very mutually, the connection with the teacher, uh, the connection the connection may not be particularly sweet, although some people it may be extremely. If it's almost not almost, it's like if you need that, then that's what's going to show up. Uh, some some people I feel very very emotionally close to, other people really don't want that kind of closeness. I couldn't teach them if I kind of had one size fits all. I meet people where they're at. And if you feel that I'm not meeting you where you're at, maybe I'm not. 
I don't know. What was the other part of the question? Or was that it? I think you hit it. Thank you. Thanks. Wendy. Yes. Wendy has a question. Wendy. When we see a relatively negative aspect of ourselves, like vanity or a short temper, is it necessary to share that insight with our teacher? I don't think that's necessary. I mean, as a, you know, you should always say, but perhaps, but um, again, I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Don't do anything else you have to. As the, the teacher is meeting you where you're at, you could meet the teacher where he is at or she is at or they are at. You can meet them. There's more to be said about that, but I would need more questions about it. Need all the help I can get. A question from Benjamin Swartout. I think maybe he's in Florida. Yes. He asks, how do we know what is real with a capital R and what is subjective reality? particularly in regards to financial reality. Someone I know was disrespectful and militant toward me getting a job. Hmm. <laughs> what, did they want to support you? <laughs> no, they didn't want you to get a job. Well, uh, I might not be understanding that, uh, Benjamin, but it, is the person just thinking you should be homeless or be on the dole or just receive alms or something. Our society doesn't really support um, going out, uh, getting uh, help from others as a spiritual community, like as it did in ancient times. It was it was totally respectful. People wanted to help uh, those on the spiritual path because they were too busy with their family and their jobs and they just couldn't break away from that. So they, they counted out others to, to live that kind of a life. Whereas we don't do that here. We don't, we don't, we would be lucky to, for people to even know we were Buddhist if they came to the monastery. They might think we were you know, Trappist monks or something. I don't know. But I, I, I think uh, if they're giving you a hard time, uh, apparently they're, they're disrespectful or militant. I mean, that's, I would just, uh, I wouldn't do anything with that person at all other than distance myself. You don't have to work on your bodhisattva path by uh, facing uh, rude, disturbed, insane people. I'm not saying this person is that way, but it sounds like something is a little out of kilter there, and you might want to just work on your own path. And you know, you can be you, there's a there's a, the three or the four uh, uh, four karmas of a uh, uh, pacifying, magnetizing, enriching, and destroying. You could look into that, but just to pacify, pacify as much as you can. It's okay, you know. I'm. I know I, this probably looks foolish to you, but I'm just doing the best I can with what I know. In other words, give them a little bit of credit for even speaking to you. Give them a little bit of credit for having an opinion. People tend to value that if you value their opinions. But you don't need opinions. You can function just fine without any opinion about anything. It's kind of an odd feeling not to have any position on anything. And if you... If you Go to the end of this path, if you want to call it an end. Uh, you won't have any opinions. That's because the, the duality that is necessary for opinions is gone. It's not that it went somewhere. It's just you saw it was never there. There never was two. Never has been. And you're so sure of it, you're willing to die for it. Not to defend it, but just you're willing to leave the whole place because you understand who you, who you really are actually not just some description of it. You actually know. And so this person uh, is trying to grind an ax on your forehead because they're not clear about themselves. So whatever you're doing is triggering. If I may say it, I'll go a little further here. Whatever they're do you're doing, because you have, you could say, the freedom to, I'm just going to go get a job to do that. And and they, they're, they have too many uh, um, ice cream sandwiches stuck to their head. So they can't see clearly because they're all about wanting what they want and you're doing something different. So now they need to attack you rather than just be responsible, 
responsible respond responsibility to respond to be responsible for their own emotions and feelings i don't care how much anger arises in you if you blame anybody for it you're going to spin you're going to go around and come right back around and the same thing's going to kick you in the butt again even though it'll be a different face this time it won't be a human being it'll be an actual mule because you will have gone back in time i'm not kidding you I'm not, I'm just making up stuff here. I'm not kidding you at all. Never point your finger at anybody. Further questions? Unyo Bowing. Um, just to continue on the insult um, situation. If we look at that truthfully, can it be an indication of something that needs to be addressed? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm, what I'm thinking yes. of is when you, you, you said when uh, Coben, you yes. were on the phone with Coben and you asked him to be, that you wanted to take the precepts with you. Yes. And he said, you hate precepts, you observe them. Yes. So and that surprised me because I thought he would just tell me what to do next. Instead, he started teaching me immediately. So when that occurs, is that something then we should look at in terms of the emotion that arises? It sounds like there was a lot of emotion that arose. I, I don't think you have any say so about it. It's like, how should I receive the teachings? If you're doing that, it's not your teacher. Or if it is your teacher... Uh, it's not time. You need to go spend a few more winters in Florida. In other words, you need to go do something else for a while. If somebody, and those of you who uh, who have been around for a while, you know that if you start to disconnect from me and you tell me about it, I'll send you another. I'll say, go do something else. Stop meditating. Forget about the Dharma for a year. I'm not going to say that. I don't want to drive people away, but I want you to know that you're free to do this. This is your I will help you, but we need to do it together. I will help you do this. Can yes. insult be considered a misperception on the receiver's part? Well, it's always it's always a misperception. That's why it's an insult. You can't you can't you can't insult uh, someone who uh, who has who has no uh, central identity. You can't insult them. You can say something insulting to them, and they might respond as if they've been insulted, but they're responding to what they see, not what they are. Well, what are they? They're not separate. Even though you're seeing their body, you're seeing your body, you're imputing that you're over there and, and uh, the other person's over there. So therefore, you can insult. But when you realize what this is, you realize there, is, there isn't any insulter. There's no receiver of the insult. Katie Bowling? Yes, Katie. Um, when, when, as a student meeting with you one-on-one, -on -one, when we're having our um, interviews, I feel that I want to share things with you that are going on in my life so that you know what I'm struggling with in order for you to be able to teach me according to what I'm dealing with. And I, I'm, because I'm still learning how to be your student, I sometimes feel like you don't want that, and so I'm puzzled. So do you want that as your student? Do you want me to share with you the things that I'm dealing with in my life so that you can teach me accordingly? Uh, no. <laughs> Not interested. That doesn't mean that if you want to tell me things, you should you should tell me. You should tell me what's happening if you want to. But my, uh, my uh, apparent, maybe apparent to you, disinterest is not actually disinterest. I might not be listening to your story so much as I'm looking at you all over. I'm looking at your energy. I'm looking at your body motion, motions. I'm looking at how you enter, how you leave. I'm looking at, your, at the way you use language. I'm, the, I'm, looking, I'm looking at everything about you. And if you stop producing, which I mean any of you, me, if you stop producing, you'll start receiving. Just stop making up stuff about everything. Don't add to anything. Don't interpret anything. 
Knock it off. How do you do that? You have to sit down and maybe spend years watching the way your mind keeps making up crap. There isn't anything. This is empty of anything you think about or impute. It's empty. Don't believe a word I say. But you might want to consider, uh, since it's getting close to 50 years I've been doing this, and started out uh, fairly young, actually, considering. So it's not that I'm, uh, I don't really need to know your backstory to help you. Uh, what I'm working with, uh, uh, Katie, is just how everything about you, how you present yourself, your tone of voice, how much you talk, what you talk about, the dynamic that you have when you're asking questions, how that how that's showing up. I'm watching all of that. I don't miss much. But I also don't add on to that some kind of a, a judgment of you like, oh, Katie's really confused. I'm going to have to come up with some kind of special practice or uh, she has this problem or that problem. Now, if you ask me a direct question about anything, questions are best. Just ask a question. It can be, uh, I don't like multiple choice and I don't like either or. I can work out that part of it. You know, like, should I move to Florida or should I just stay in Cuba? You know, those kind of the either or. I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> what should you do? Do you follow me a little bit? You're, you're, you seem to be drifting off slightly. Okay. So you don't have to produce anything. Uh, you could come in. I have people come in and just sit and look at me. That's not, I'm not, that's not a prescription. I'm not saying anybody should do that, but some people spend quite a bit of time just looking for a while before they start talking. Other people talk before they even get in the door. Telling me this, telling me that. It doesn't mean that one person is more calm or serene or more enlightened than the other. Sometimes it's the other way around. So there's no right way to function. Go ahead, please. We have another? Go ahead. I find for me, my thinking process to ask a question of you that sometimes for me, the discussion helps me formulate what my question is. And so when I'm met with just ask the question, I can't because I don't yet have the words I need. So what is that called? What is that called? That. What is that called? What, what you just described? What is that called? I didn't hear what you just said. I said, what is that called? What you just described. What do I call that? What do you call it? What do I call it? Over and over and over again, I call it the same thing. The forms arising in space are awareness. They are not, they have no gravitas. Uh, you, we impute or give the weight to things. I, I like this, but I don't like that. I really like this. I want this. Uh, so by coming in and talking to me and relating to me or any true teacher, uh, that person will not help you continue your obfuscation or your circularity, but will meet you in such a way that through your intelligence, you will eventually begin to see what is happening through your clarity, through your wisdom mind will begin to awaken and you'll realize your true nature. This is why you really don't even have to talk to the teacher, just have to sit in front of him or her. Sit there, just that presence. Presence is powerful. Authentic presence can't be generated because it, you, you, if you generate it, you're just trying to borrow something from the universe. And when you are the universe, you don't need to borrow anything. You just have to realize your true nature. Further question on that? No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Good question. I could have not talked about that without that question. Do I still look pretty good with my knocked out tooth? Do you guys still like me? It's going to get fixed. It's going to get fixed. I got that fundraiser that Gene Doe set up is just like overwhelming. It's like maybe I should get more teeth fixed. <laughs> I get, get my nostrils enlarged so I could breathe better. You know what it's like having a deviated septum. You need nostril enlargement. Sorry for the sad sack humor. Any final questions before we close? Thanks, Yes. A question from Robert Switek in Kalamazoo. Yes, Robert. 
how much contact should the student have to have a strong teacher-student relationship? It's that's a, it's a good question, but it really is variable. Uh, I, I would not, uh, you know, I have students that I feel are very close. I'm emotionally very close to them, but I rarely hear from them. Excuse me, and they're not wrong. They're they could be. We all we can't all can't all be necessarily live in a monastery or. Uh, some people are householders of different degrees. And so I, I don't think there's a right and wrong to it. I think it would be up to you. You know, I, I see you, uh, Robert, now and then, you know, especially back when we were able to come into the monastery before the, uh, the thing we're going through, COVID. So I, I don't think there's a right or wrong or should or how much or how little. I, I only met Trump Rinpoche four times face to face. And of course, I listened to him talk. I was went to a lot of his talks. So I saw a lot of him. But face-to-face, privately, four times. And that was enough. That was enough. I, I, I got it. I got what he was talking about. And so I, from then on, from after my last interview with him, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, face-to-face by myself, or ourselves, uh, uh, I, I, didn't, I really didn't have any more questions. That being said, had he been more available or I could call him up and ask him something now and then, I probably would have, but, you know, he had... By that time, probably had thousands of students by the time the 80s rolled around. So I think it's uh, it's very individual. So I'm, there's no right amount. It's so different for each person. Uh, that's how it looks over here. The, the strong teacher-student, strong, strong teacher-student relationship comes mainly from the student. A true teacher is always going to be available to anybody, anywhere, anytime. There's there's no solid positionality happening there. A true teacher doesn't want anything. Doesn't even want students. What, what are they going to want? There's nobody there. But if you come and you say, "I'm I I want help. I want to be trained. I want to I want to study the 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 way. I want to study the Buddha Dharma. Can you help me?" Say, so, "I can." Go face a wall. Get to know yourself. Go ahead, Junchu. Benjamin has another question. Yes. How do I turn the near enemy of pity into compassion, especially regarding that person who is hostile and tells me I need a job because she is afraid of financial security and reality? Hmm. So I'm I'm kind of getting this. This might be your partner or your wife or something. And if that's the case, then um, it's a different situation. And then it, there, there again, it's a, there's so many variables there. Is the person a meditator? Does the person support your spiritual path? Um, do they want you to have another kind of job? Do they want you to have no job at all. Do they want you to have two jobs. Do they have a job? Are there children? I mean, there's so many variables there. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying I need to have all that, uh, but that's something you could definitely look at. Um, I think the, the way you asked the question, how would I determine, how do I turn the near enemy of pity into compassion? I think you might be stuck in your head a little bit. So I would uh, uh, start uh, right now. Your best friend is gravity. Just be here. You know, you might have to think about being here a little bit, but I wouldn't do too much. I would just remember that gravity is allowing you to stand up, sit down, lay down, go to the can. Gravity. Even, I uh, can't remember the his name. Uh, he passed away now. He lived to be into his hundreds. Uh, he has a book out that he was really upset about when, when his students put this book out, a series of his talk called The Buddha's the Center of Gravity. An interesting book. It came out, I think, in 1974. I think that was, uh, yeah, that wasn't that um, uh, Leonard Cohen's guru or teacher, I think. It was his teacher, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe Shu Sasaki Roshi. That's a Joe Shu Shusaki, Sasaki. Uh, Buddha is the center of gravity. So gravity is a good idea. 
I don't know who's all tied up. It's a good thing. It's a couple of minutes after nine, but if there's another question. Um, Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll dedicate the marriage. Yeah. I think I mis might have misunderstood Benjamin's question now that I'm reading it. Benjamin, if I mis if I misunderstood your question, uh, send me an email or something and I'll try to respond better. I think I got it backwards. Okay. Family, friends, and visitors. Kill everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering, and kill them. 